Summer is just around the corner. And uh, how many are grateful for that? Those of you with a flu, a grateful summer is just around the corner. How many of you may be contemplating some, some fitness goals coming into summer? Fitness goals, maybe some crunches, crunches, maybe some Nestle crunches. Yeah, no? Uh, you know, I've been, <laughs> I've, been, uh, I've been in and around the fitness game for, for many years in one shape or another, no pun intended. And um, one of the things that you learn in fitness is that fitness is relative. So when you say to someone, I'm fit, it's fit compared to what? And, um, you know, you can stand in the line at McDonald's and feel reasonably good about your body shape. But uh, you walk through the Athletes Village this week in Rio, you may maybe don't feel so fit all of a sudden. Um, fitness is relative. In my early 20s, I, I, I trained at a gym with the then Mr. Australia. Uh, now, when I say, just for the record, I trained at the gym with Mr. Australia, it means we both had memberships to the same gym and that occasionally we would be in the gym at the same time, but I didn't, just so you know, Although you would have believed me, I didn't actually train with the then Mr. Australia. The then Mr. Australia, he was a pretty strong dude. Um, there's, there's a machine called the incline leg press or the 45 degree leg press. And you kind of get yourselves in 45 degrees and a little kind of thing. And, and you've got a foot plate and you've got to press this thing up and you load the weights on the side. And there's even a little kind of thing on the top. You can even load more on there. And so this guy, Mr. Australia, he, he would get to where he loaded every 20 kilo weight he could fit on to each side, plus stacked up this pole at the top on each side. And he would then get his two training partners to stand up on the the top of the leg press because he couldn't fit enough weight on and then he'd press them and they'd be like, woohoo, woohoo, unbelievable. So strong, ridiculous. And uh, yet when it came close to competition time, he'd have to start cutting, cutting some weight. And so he would introduce some cardiovascular exercise into his regime. He would get on the stationary bike. He could not pedal constantly for more than five minutes at a time before he was out of breath, had to go and sit, take a breather and then do another. See, fitness is relative. You say he's very strong, yeah, but he didn't uh, have much of a game when it came to pedaling a bike. But he was a sight to behold. And uh, in that time, um, uh, I said in my early 20s, I, I was gonna put some photos up, but it was my early 20s before they discovered electricity. So there's no photos of him on the internet because wasn't, um, isn't. But back then, training was all about the beach muscles. Hey bro, do you even lift? Yeah, I lift. How much you bench? You remember asking me that question, Tom? How much you bench? How much do you bench? What's it to you? How much do you bench? Do you even lift? It's all about the beach muscles. Back then, the, the, the pecs, the biceps, the triceps. And, 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 and yet over the last few years, there's been a shift in the industry from the beach muscles to what has become in the industry known as functional fitness. A move from the question no longer being about how good you look while you're in the gym looking in the mirror, but does what you do in the gym translate to what you do for the rest of your time? Is there some application to what you're doing in the gym in real life? And, and over the next few weeks, what I wanna teach on is functional faith. 
help us better understand how what we are training on here in the box, in the, in, 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 in the spiritual gym, how we can actually apply that, how this translates into functional faith, how this actually works Monday to Saturday. Not that we're just shoulder pressing to God here on a Sunday, although that's important, but, but what does this look like when I walk out of these doors when I finish? Uh, Patton Oswalt, a comedian, his, just, uh, his new live show's just dropped on Netflix this week um, and it's called Talking for Clapping. The job description of a comedian. He's, he's kind of, it's kind of a, he's taken the mickey out of his own job. That what I do for a living is I talk for clapping. Hilarious. And uh, I don't talk for clapping, which is just as well, because you guys don't clap much. So I'll be unemployed. When we teach here, we have a very clear, simple goal it's to be helpful. The goal is not to be profound, although it might occasionally be profound. The goal is not to be funny, although maybe occasionally it's funny. The goal is not to be uh, entertaining or infotaining, although those things are all kosher as well because they're tools. But the ultimate goal of teaching here is to be helpful. And the biggest compliment you could ever pay me as a communicator is to come and tell me how you took something you learned, something God showed you and you walked out of here and you applied it and magically you got the outcome that God had intended when, when, he, when he put that in His Word in the first place. Because applying just one Word from God will change your life. Just one. Don't stop at one, but even just applying one, not hearing one, but applying one will change your life. So the biggest compliment you can ever pay to me is to say, Mark, I took what you preached on Saturday, on, on Sunday and I applied it to my marriage on Monday and man, did it change the game. I, I took it to my staff meeting on Tuesday and boy, it worked. I, 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 I took what you taught on Wednesday in my Elevate group and, 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 and it took my faith to a new level. I took what you taught during drive time with my kids and, and we had a conversation around Jesus, not just around uh, Pokemon Go. And uh, on, on Friday, I took, I took what you learned when I was praying because I needed a breakthrough. And instead of just relying on my own strength and my own intelligence and my own experience, I sought after God because I, I realised that I've been living in my comfort zone. When you tell me that, that what we teach here on a Sunday has helped you Monday to Saturday, boom, that's it. That's the, that's, that's the magic ticket right there. Could not get a greater compliment than that. Okay, I wanna look at a story. If you open your Elevate app and you tap the Bible, it'll, it'll open to Mark chapter three. And Mark records around this chapter three, I'm gonna focus on one particular story, but he actually includes five stories stories in, in, the, in the space of two chapters that are stories of Jesus confronting people. And I make that point because it's, it's, vital, that we, it's vital we understand that whilst Jesus' ministry was and is comfort to those who need it, it's not exclusively comfort. He's not only about comfort. He's often gonna confront some things. He'll comfort us in our distress and He'll confront us in our dysfunction. 
all of it with the same goal in mind that we can be transformed into His image and likeness. Sometimes we're stuck because of circumstances, He'll comfort us. Sometimes we're stuck because of dysfunction, He'll confront us because He wants us to move forward and, and progress. So here's a story of confrontation. And what it is, is, is very early in Jesus' public ministry, He's come in to, to a time where the system, which we just call the temple system, it's, it's dysfunctional. It's no longer working. It was, it was set up by God. It worked to an extent for a season, but, but Jesus came at a particular point in history where the temple system was no longer fit for the purpose God had intended. So let me read what Mark wrote about this particular point in history. Then Jesus went back to the meeting place, the temple, where He found a man with a crippled hand. The Pharisees, who were the religious leaders at the time, had their eyes on Jesus to see if He would heal him, hoping to catch him in a Sabbath infraction. Jesus said to the man with the crippled hand, stand here where we can see you. Then He spoke to the people, what kind of... uh, Okay, I'm a bit dizzy too, by the way. If I fall off a stool or can't read, that's just pray for me. Um, What kind of action suits the Sabbath best? Doing good or doing evil, helping people or leaving them helpless. No one said a word and looked them in the eye one after another, angry now. Jesus gets angry, furious at their hard-nosed religion. And He said to the man, hold your hand. And He held it out and it was as good as new. I couldn't decide what to preach about when I read this. It's just so many options here. It's about two months worth of messages just in here. I could talk about Jesus said to the man, the crippled hand, stand where we can see you. I could talk about faith requires us to stand up, stand out, be different, have optimism, have faith. When, when, when to be happy and healthy is no longer normal, it's kind of like, screw you. Uh, I could talk about that, but I, I won't. Talk about the fact that Jesus said, hold out your hand. He didn't say which hand to hold out. The guy had one withered hand and he had one good hand. Some, some people, they'll only show you the good hand, put on the, the, the pretense of perfection. And Jesus said, hold out your hand. What if he'd only held out the good hand and kept the other one in his pocket? Would it have been healed? Sometimes we've got to put our dysfunction at the, at the hands of Jesus and say, do with it what you will and trust that he'll actually heal us. But I don't have time to preach about that. So here's what I am gonna preach about. I'm gonna preach about, this is not a story about a man and a withered hand. It is that, but it's not just that. It's actually a story about Jesus confronting a system that was broken. Jesus actually charging head on at the objective of this system. See, what was happening is this was happening on the Sabbath. Now in the Jewish uh, time, the Jewish religion is still today, the Sabbath is Saturday. Now it follows after the pattern that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. And God commands us, not, not suggests, commands us that we take one day out each week from our busy lives, busy schedules, and we just commune with Him and commune with people. It's a part of what we do here. This kickstarts this. And, 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 and um, it was designed for, 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 for restoration and recreation. The system was set up to serve God and serve the people. But what happens is religious people, legal people, bureaucrats get in and, 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 and over time they, they make, they change the objective from the system serving the objective to the objective being to serve the system. You're not doing it according to the rules. Yeah, but the rules suck. 
The rules are wrong. So Jesus confronts them around their objectives. They were moving from restoration as being the objective of the Sabbath to now talking about restriction as being a restoration of the Sabbath. So in this series of Functional Faith, I wanna start out with the question, what's your objective when it comes to faith? Because here's the thing, faith and increasing faith is not an objective. It's, it's, it's a pathway to an objective. But, but faith in and of itself isn't the objective. It can be a sub-objective. I don't get too carried away in this, but it's, an, it's, it's not the objective. What's your objective when you wanna build your faith? See, when you join a gym, the trainer, the instructor, one of the first questions they're trained to ask you is, what's your goals? What's your objectives? What is it that you want to, to, to do here? And I'm asking that question week one. This is week one of, of several weeks teaching on functional faith. This is the introductory session. This is the initial consultation. Okay, I'm bringing out the tape measure. I'm bringing out the skin fold calipers. What's your objective when it comes to your faith? Louis and I uh, are now uh, just embarked this last week in the process of selling our house. And um, so selling our house and uh, being a planner, um, I'm already thinking about the, the moving process. Now, we're only moving, uh, if everything goes, selling, buying, all that falls into place, we're only moving a kilometre from our, our current house. So I came up with a plan to save money. We're gonna put a lure, a Pokemon lure in our driveway and lure some players to our house. And, and then we're gonna tell them that a kilometre away in this, this other house is a rare Pokemon. And if they go a kilometre, they'll find it. And, 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 and by the way, can you take this kettle with you? <laughs> and I, I figure it, it might take a few more days than Allied Pickfords, but eventually, you know, eventually we'll get, we'll get it there. I don't know, it's just a thought. But one of the, thi- one of the things, you, you've got to make these jokes when they're current, because if I said that next week, I mean, Pokemon Go is old news next week. If, um, if uh, one of the things we don't have to worry about concern ourselves with, with our impending move, is our fine china and our crystal glasses. And the reason we don't have to concern ourselves with the, the, the uh, successful relocation of our fine china and our crystal glasses is because we don't have any. And it's not, you know the fine china and the crystal glasses, the ones you only get out for special occasions. You know the ones? We don't have any of those. We have have crockery and cups. We have some glasses, but they're not crystal. And and the reason we do that is not because we're tight, though I am. Uh, I prefer the word frugal. Thank you, Tom, William Murphy. Don't laugh so hard in future. Um, our plates seem to be fine when you come over for a feed, mate. So yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, these work a charm. I have thirds, thanks. <laughs> it, it, is we, we choose, we've chosen crockery and glassware for, for everyday use. Our crockery and glassware, it's nice, fine, but it's functional. And see, I don't wanna have, and I don't think God wants us to have this sort of faith that only comes out for special occasions. When you lose your job, well, then I 
need some faith. When you get the bad doctor's report, oh, better bust out the faith. Take it down from the cabinet. Special occasions. When I'm having relationship issues, I, I, better, I, better, I better pull down the faith and, and put it to work. I, I, I'm convinced that faith isn't intended for special occasions, but faith is meant to be functional. It's meant to be applied every day. The objective is everyday use. So we find this story of Jesus in the temple and there's three main characters. Jesus who went there to heal, a man with a crippled hand who potentially was there to be healed. And then there's a third character or group, the Pharisees. And what's absurd to me is they were at the temple to find Jesus doing something wrong. What a bizarre objective to turn up at a church. You don't believe me? This is, this is it. I'll pull this out. Verse two, the Pharisees had their eyes on Jesus. We're meant to be here with our eyes on Jesus, but not for the same objective as the Pharisees had their eyes on Jesus. To see if He would heal him, that's good. Oh, hoping to catch Him in a Sabbath infraction. You know, this still happens today. The objective of some people why they turn up at church is not here, I'm grateful for that. Oh yeah, talking with our Elevate group on Wednesday night, they're like, man, so grateful that people aren't here at Elevate for, for this sort of thing. I said, yeah, but it still happens. It's bizarre to me why anybody would turn up to a church just to criticise what they think's being done wrong. Stay home, wash your car. Go to your local coffee shop and bother them. Why waste your time turning up to a church that you don't like for the objective of finding fault? Don't make any sense to me. Drive home. So, what did you think of the worship today? Yeah, didn't like that third song. <laughs> I didn't like any of them. Yeah, well, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe next week. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll email the Jared and tell him, I'll tell him the songs that we like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the wrong question to be asking in your drive home. Did you like the worship? You know what the, the right question is to be asking in the drive home? God, did you like my worship? How'd I go today? Give me a score. Did I bring a sacrifice of praise? Did I sing a song that I didn't like in particular? But I'm not worshipping me, I'm worshipping you. You like it, did you like it? God, give me a score. And if it's not 10, tell me where I can improve. Hey, what do you think about the preaching today? Mm, preaching today, bloody hell, it's annoying, man. A guy had a cold. It's like listening to the Godfather on Endless Loop. Oh, I know, didn't even have a cactus stroke. I know, unbelievable. <laughs> and then he, and then he, and he, he didn't even, he didn't even have fine china. What a freaking tight ass, man. What sort of a church leader? <laughs> Talk about being generous. He didn't even have fine china. And then, he, and then he hated on Pokemon Go. I mean, is nothing sacred? <clears throat> you know, to judge the preaching is the wrong question. You know what the right question is? To ask your spouse, to ask your kids, to ask yourself, 
did I have a heart that was open to hear a word from God today? Did I come in here praying God speak something fresh and, and in season for me today? And then ask the question, how am I gonna apply that tomorrow? That's the better question. <laughs> I've been doing this for over two decades, church leadership, and uh, I've observed time after time, you can have two people in the same church and uh, one of them's growing and one of them isn't. And, 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 and if you understand the scientific method, you'll understand that um, those two people are in, exposed to the same music, listening to the same preaching and following hopefully the same Jesus, declaring they are. And one's growing and one isn't. So, so if one's growing and one isn't, but it's the same music, same preaching, same Jesus, it, it, it probably isn't the music's fault. Poor song selection is the reason I'm not growing. More hymns, then I'll grow. Because the other person's worshiping to the same music you are and, and yet they're growing. Preaching's not deep enough. Don't even get me started on that. Well, so I'm not growing because I'm not being fed, which by the way is not my job, that's your job to feed yourself. I'll give you a little snack every Sunday. But this person, they're listening to the same preaching and they're growing. So, huh? and, and surely it's Jesus isn't to blame. <laughs> Maybe somebody isn't applying what they're learning because they've got the wrong objective. Their objective is to find fault, to see what's wrong rather than pursue God. The Pharisees, another uh, thing that earmarked or, or hallmarked their um, objective is they were exclusive, whereas Jesus' objective is to be inclusive. See, because in this story, Mark uh, records that there's two characters, one one who, who couldn't reach out and another group who wouldn't reach out. They could, but they chose not to because they had the wrong objective. And too many people only apply their faith to their needs. God, help me get a job. Help my marriage. Help me raise my kids. Help us and cater for our financial needs. And, and, and they have a functional faith and they'll apply it outside, but only to themselves. When, when we're surrounded by people who can't reach out and we choose to not reach out because as long as our needs are met, we're good. We're good for now and we'll see you in heaven. Jesus and if you could just hold that date off a little bit longer, I'd be good too. And, and, and yet God is a God who is, is more than enough. And, 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 and we can have an objective 
for our faith to be the sort of faith that doesn't just look for our needs to be met, but for us to, to, to be used by God to see other people's needs met, praying for other people's jobs, praying for other people's marriages, praying for other people's kids, saying, God, bless me financially so that we have more than enough so we can be generous on each and every occasion, that we'll actually say, God, here's enough. This is enough. If you bless us to this level financially, here's enough. And you know what? When we're hovering in that ballpark, we're gonna make sure we give above and beyond what we're giving today. So God, bring on the blessing. It's not selfish. Functional faith to have more than enough for you, more than enough emotional strength. Last week I preached about stability. Don't just pray for your own stability. You got people in your life, in your world, in your house, in your workplace, they could benefit from some of your prayers, praying for them for stability, applying your faith, what you learn here, there, being people who can reach out to people who can't reach out. And then the, 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 the final kind of overlapping thing that I take away from this Pharisee story is, is everything was about restriction, what can't be done who doesn't belong here. As Elevate Church, our code is that we prioritise outsiders over insiders. Now, most of you guys are insiders. Do not walk out of here thinking you don't matter because we prioritise outsiders over insiders. You guys are super, super important but you're second. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, you're a close second. Strokes, strokes, strokes. But you're second because you and me, we're good. We love Jesus, we're following Him. We're going to heaven already. So we put ourselves second and we prioritise outsiders, those who don't yet know Jesus because they're not good to go. And hell is hot and time is short. So we prioritise outsiders over insiders. Our faith isn't just to see us grow to be more like Jesus. It's to see other people to meet Him and be transformed into His image and likeness. And we got a lot of people in our city like that. So we got a lot of functional faith to grow. We got a lot of functional faith to apply. 